You know, I remember my parents, my parents talked about, talk about like it's kind of glory days about when they were in a mess and they were just in debt and all this stuff. And they, my mom, my mom and dad together worked through that and it crystallized their, their relationship because they went after their debt together and they worked together and they accomplished this together. And so it, it has an impact on your relationship. It has an impact on who you are. And so, and that, and and, that, and the reason, as we as we go here, and if you've got your outlines, you're going to notice the the passage First Samuel, uh, 22 is on your outline. And then, First Samuel 22, what we find here is that David, King, King David, about to be king. He's not king yet, but he's been told he's going to be king, and David is being pursued by. His best friend's father, who is king, who wants to kill him. And so David is on the run, fleeing, trying to get away, and doesn't understand because David's done nothing wrong. All David's done is some, some prophet named Samuel comes in and says, Hey, the Lord has told me you are the next king. You are the, the one that will be anointed as king. And so that's all he's done. He hasn't done anything wrong. All he did was be loyal and in battle. He was a great warrior, a tremendous warrior. And so all the people of Israel were saying, Saul, Saul was the king at the time. Saul, they'd say, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. Okay? So the, the deal was the jealousy had set in. Saul was insecure because, you know, David was getting all this notoriety. People were, like, t- talking him up like he was more powerful. All this stuff. And so... David's done nothing wrong, but he's on the run because Saul is Saul and all his troops are pursuing David. Just David. He's off on, off on the run by himself. And in 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2, this is where we pick up. David is trying to hide. And, uh, and he's trying to hide from the soldiers that are trying to get him. And it says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 were there with him. So what happens is David goes to this cave, and and Adalim, the cave of Adalim, Adalim means refuge. It says that in your notes. It means refuge. And so David went to this cave to find refuge because all of life's battles and all the enemies were trying to attack him and kill him. And he went there and he tried to find refuge. And so, in, in, in doing so, about 400 people that were distressed, in debt, or discontented, which means anything from blah, I'm just not happy, I feel empty, I feel whatever, I'm just not, I, I'm, I'm bitter, I don't like the way my life is gone. I'm 40 years old and this isn't how I thought my life would be. Those are the kind of people that gathered at this cave. People that were just, you know, life just wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And, uh, and so David is there. These people gather around him. He becomes their commander. But Adalim, like I said, means a place of refuge. And that's kind of like this church, okay? This church is a place of refuge. We're distressed, indebted, and discontented people gather. So... One of the questions on here is, what's your place of refuge? Where do you go to find refuge? And under it says, be honest. I mean, be honest. It could be a ball field for you. It could be a gym. 
You could go work out. It could be a bottle. It could be a substance. It could be something. Where do you go to find relief from, the, from life's battles? Where do you go? Where? I thought somebody yelled out something. Where do you go? You can write it down. You can yell it out, wherever, whatever you want to do. The kitchen. There you go. That's awesome. I, I don't think my wife would say that, but where do you go to find refuge? Because like I said, this church, it's made up of people that are trying to find refuge. It's made up of people that, because let's be honest, all of us fit in one of those three categories, distressed, in debt, or discontent at different seasons of our life. You may be sitting here in a season of, you know, everything's going well, everything's going great, but you can all identify there's been seasons where things weren't great. And the reality is, we all struggle with that. And so, it's, but the beauty in that is those seasons of time are what drive us to Christ. It's what drives us to something more, something greater than us. When we reach the limit and we reach the end and we're like, I, I don't even know what to do. I just feel empty. I feel blah. I just, I, I, I messed up everything. Um, I feel weak. I'm failing. I'm, I'm just... My life isn't what I thought. I'm looking for something more. I'm looking for somebody that can fill that empty space in my life. That's what happens. People, people turn to God in those moments. People come to church looking for something greater because they're going, this can't be all there is. This can't be. It can't be. And that's what we find is this church is a place of refuge. This place is where we come together and we band together, just like these 400 did with David. They came together, found refuge, and they started doing life together. And amazing things happened in the midst of that. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to First Chronicles. It's on your outline, First Chronicles 11. <clears throat> Starting in verse 10. What happened is those, those, those people that were there, some of those got recognized as David's mighty men. And they live forever in glory. And in, in, they are famous because of the mighty acts that they did. You know, if you've ever seen the movie 300, 300 um, is kind of a, a, like an adaptation or a, a playoff of that in some respects because it's a similar thing. These 300 men did unbelievable, glorious things. Well, that's what these mighty men did. And there were 30-some of them. Okay, and these mighty men, what we're going to read about, a couple of them, just here, in, starting in verse 10. These were the chiefs of David's mighty warriors. They together with all Israel gave his kingship, strong support to extend over the whole land. And as the Lord had promised, this is the list of David's mighty warriors. And now where we're picking up right now, keep in mind, this David's now become king, and now and David, the land of Israel, the country of Israel, had had the greatest run of prosperity ever. And David's king, and David is the man, and then what happens is David's a cruddy father, he's a terrible father, and David's son Absalom, when you think you failed as a father, you can read this and feel better about yourself probably. David's son Absalom basically is 
the, the Bible says it's, he was the most perfect from head to toe that ever walked. I mean, beautiful guy, long flowing hair. I mean, just from head to toe, it says. And, and Absalom, basically, people started being attracted to Absalom and saying, we want Absalom as our king. And Absalom went to war with his own dad. Absalom just did everything wrong you could, just in, in complete defiance of his father. And so David is actually on the run from Absalom and the troops because Absalom is going after him. And so, you know, that's where you, you pick up some of these battles and some of these mighty men stories of, of what, what happens, you know, against the enemies. It says, starting in verse 12, well, actually, verse 11, it said, Jeshabim, a Hakmonite, was chief of the officers. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's pretty impressive. One man killed 300 men in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai and the Ahoite, one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David at Paz Damim when the Philistines gathered there for battle. At a place there was a field of full of barley. The troops fled from the Philistines, but they took their stand in the middle of the field. They defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord brought a great victory. So what happened in that story is the mighty men, some of the mighty men went out, and they were fighting in battle, and the battle was getting tough, and a bunch of the soldiers from Israel left. They fled. A bunch of their soldiers that were fighting with them fled. But the mighty men, they stood. They stood and fought, and they won. The Lord brought a great victory. And it goes on. There's another account um, in, a, in, in Second Samuel that talks about Shema, where the, the same thing. The troops fled, but he stayed and fought. And the Lord brought a great victory. And the reason that I'm telling you these stories and the reason we're going through these things is because of this. This embodies life groups. This embodies what it means. You know, who in your life, on your, no, on your outline, it'll, it'll, it'll talk about who are the mighty men in your life. So if you have them, write it down. Write them down. Who are the mighty men in your life? Who are the people that when... When all the things hit the fan, when everything gets rough and tough, who are the people that stand and fight? Who are the people that you know, no matter what happened in my life, that they would stand with me? Who are those people? Who are those couples that when you, even though my life fell apart and my, 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 my relationship with my spouse is busted up, you know, who are the people that aren't going to run? Who are the people that are going to stand with you? Who are the people when you make a stupid mistake that's embarrassing? Who are those people that are going to stand and fight with you? Do you have them? If you do, write them down. Write them down. Do you have those people in your life? David did. David had people that when everybody else fleed, they stood. And if you have those people, have you told them? Have you told them that, hey, I just want you to know you're one of the mighty, you're one of the mighty men in my life, or women in my life. You're one of those people that, you know, when everything goes bad, I know you'll be there. When everything goes wrong, I know you're going to stand with me. 
you're one of those people when it goes bad, you're one of the first phone calls I make. You're one of those people that if I needed anything, even if it was at 3 o'clock in the morning, I could come to your house and you would stand with me. Who are those people in your life? If you don't have them, that's part of getting beat up in this life. It's part of when you don't have those kind of people, you're more easily defeated. When you don't have those kind of people, life gets more and more heavy because it wasn't meant to be that way. God intended us to do this life together. He intended for us, just like that video showed, when when enemies or things were coming our way, we banded together and we fought and we stood. That's what this is about. Because here's the reality. Life groups, that's what life groups have become for us. When it, in your notes, it said, I, I put down rows run, rows run, circles stand and fight. And that's why circles are better than rows. Because you can come here to church and you can sit in a row and everything else and and, I, you know, you may not know me, and you may not know what's going on with me. And so when, when stuff gets bad, you'll, you'll run because you're not connected. You don't know. You don't really know. But in, in life groups, what happens is when people are sitting in circles together, what happens is when times get tough, they stand with them. They stand. Scott Hatfield and Sarah, um, when Sarah had breast cancer, Scott told me over and over again, and, he, and I think he said it here, their life group, during that season of time, became about Scott and Sarah. Their life group became just supporting them, praying for them, encouraging them, coming to the hospital, helping out with the kids, doing whatever they could. Their life group became about taking care of Scott and Sarah. Pointing them to Christ. Who do you have in your life? Do you have those people? Do you have those mighty men? Do you have those people that will do that for you? Because that's what God wants for your life. And you may go, you know what? You know, these mighty men stories, this is a wartime battle. And, and it, you know, I don't, I don't, we're not in war. We're in peace, right? If you've got your Bibles, turn, well, it's, and it's on your uh, notes. Second um, Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. One of the things I want you to notice in these next two passages on your notes is that there is a battle going on all the time. All the time. And that's why we all struggle. We all, I don't care who you are or how transparent or open you're going to be. You have these inward struggles. We all have times that are difficult. And that's why we have to have people in our life that help set us straight, that help hold us accountable, that help point us in the right direction. If we don't have them, we are vulnerable and susceptible. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So, what does that mean? That means that we are in a battle all the time. We are in a spiritual battle. And here's what happens. If you were going into a battle, and if you were going into, you know, like... Here's when I was back in the day, my friends in high school and college, they knew one thing about me. I was big, I was strong, and I would never let them get beat up. So my friend Pat, is Pat here? Pat? Pat? Huh? 
Oh, yeah, he's in Jamaica. That do-gooder. Um, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, Pat, Pat and I were best friends since eighth grade, and Pat knew. Pat, Pat's one in nine in all time in his fights. He's lost all but one. Um, and and he, he, he'll admit that, and I know it's fun, but Pat, Pat's likes to fight guy. Pat likes to fight. And so what happens is when Pat was around me, he would really like to be mouthy because he knew that if somebody came throwing haymakers, I was going to be there, and I was never going to let Pat get beat up. And it's true. I never did. I, I never let Pat get beat up in front of me because I'm like, no, it's not happening. I'm not going to do that. Even if he's ridiculous, I'm not going to let him get beat up. And that's the thing. If you were going into battle, what you would want is you would want people that you knew were tough and they knew how to fight. That's what you'd want. If you knew that you, were, you had a big fight on your hands, a big battle coming up, you would want people that knew how to fight. That's what life groups are. They are people that you come and join life together. And what happens is you're joining life with some people that know how to fight and some people that are learning how to fight. And that's what we all need. We all need it. Because even the thing about battle and the thing about spiritual battles is you can imagine in, in an army sense what, what people would do is they, they like to lull you into a false sense of security when you're fat and happy. They want the soldiers to be fat and happy and think that no one's going to attack them. You know, oh, they're good right now. And then what happens is they come in when they're not prepared and they're out of shape and they just come and attack them and they, and they, and they beat them up. Or you want to attack when people are weak. You want to attack when soldiers are weak, when they're already tired and they're hungry and they're beat up. That's what happens in life. The enemy attacks when we're fat and happy. When we think everything's going well. I can do this on my own. I don't need help. I can do this on my own. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I had some rough times, but I'm, I'm over those. I'm good. That's when the enemy attacks. The enemy also attacks when you're just beat up, weak, tired, weary, and you don't know how you're going to make it. That's when he goes in for the kill. Now, if, if that's the case, why would we not want to be together, surrounded by people that will guard and protect, that will stand and fight? You know, when we're fat and happy, we need the mighty men in our life to stand up and say, hey, buddy, you're getting off course. You're getting full of yourself. Warnings telling you, hey, you're missing it. You need, you need to straighten up. You're going down a bad path. Hey, buddy, that gal that you're working with, it's bad news. It's bad news. Hey, that habit, you know, I know you like to have fun, but that fun, it's, it's going too far now. It's going too far. You have to have mighty men in your life that will stand and tell you the hard things, even in seasons of plenty and good. They'll have to, they'll, they need to stand and tell you, hey, dude, you're, you're like so ate up about money or, or, you know, success or whatever it is. It, it, you're missing it. You're drifting. You need to have those people in your life. And you need to have those people in your life when, when things are, 
you're just beat up and you don't know how you're going to make it, you've got to have the people that are going to rally and they're going to fill in. They're going to stand in the gap. They're going to fill in for where you don't have it left. It's the beauty of being together. It's the beauty of being in circles together. And we all need it. We all need it. Because even, even when, if you don't fit in those two extremes, you've you got to be ready. So you've got to work at it together. The, the last passage on your outline is um, the armor of God, Ephesians 6. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, notice that, when the day of evil comes, it's not if, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's telling you, you better be ready. He's telling you, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. He's telling you to put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. He's telling you to be ready. How are you getting ready? How are you being ready? Where are you getting armored up? Where, who are the people in your life that are helping load you up and strapping on the armor for you? Where are those people? I can tell you a good place for you if you don't have those people is to start going to life group together because you're going to start reading the truth and you're going to start learning how to be ready and you're going to start being able to recognize that this wasn't coincidence. This was a, a spiritual battle. You're going to have people that are wiser than you, that are further along than you, that are going to sit there and go, hey, I just want you to know that this is becoming a stronghold in your life. I just want you to know that I'm here and I'll fight with you. I just want you to know that no matter what, I'll stand and pray with you because like we just read in 2 Corinthians 10, we don't fight like the world fights with you know, actual guns and swords. We fight with prayer. We fight with God's divine power, which is way more powerful than guns and knives. Don't you want those kind of people around in your life? Those mighty men, those mighty men that when you're in the hospital and you're laying in that hospital bed and the doctor doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to figure it out, you need those mighty men that are going to come bring peace no matter what happens. You need those mighty men that are going to sit at the side of your bed and pray over you and ask God on your behalf to intervene. That's what you need. And you're not going to get that just sitting in rows as a spectator. 
you got to do that together. And so no matter where you find yourself in season right now, you need to recognize that we are stronger together. We can do things together that we can't do alone. So no matter what your objection or what your bad experience has been, maybe you've, maybe you've been to a life group and you're like, I just didn't ever feel like I fit in or, or whatever. Or maybe you've sat there and go, I, you know, it just didn't fit me or whatever. That's not the reason to stop. It could be the spiritual battle trying to get you to quit. It could be Satan filling your mind with these thoughts that, uh, they don't really care about you or whatever. Maybe you need to stay because you got to recognize that that's a battle. And maybe today is the first time you recognize that that's what it was. Or maybe you've been in life group and you've faced persecution, you've faced hard times, and maybe what you need to do is you need to go, you know what, I need to stay and be salt and light. I need to stay, you know, God doesn't want us to take the light out of the world. You know, his expectation is that we're going to get ready and we're going to go be a great influence to the people around us. We're going to go and people are going to look and they're going to want what we have. Maybe you're the one that needs to be the one that has the, the boldness, the wisdom, the discernment, the strength that God has given you through countless trials. Maybe you're the one that needs to stand. But either way, the beauty of all this is doing it together. Because that's how, you know, whether it's you're trying to form a new habit or you're trying to work through you know, things in your life together, you working out, lifting weights together, you're going to be able to push each other and you're going to be able to remind each other. And that's the beauty of being married. You know, beauty of being married is there are times when I, like yesterday was one for me, you know, there was, uh, I just hit the wall on some things and I was just acting stupid. I was just mad and whatever. And I was, and, and my wife just sat there and just said, Hey, you know, I, I don't know what's going on, but something's just eating at you. And she just came, I, I came and put her hand on me and was praying for me. She was praying for me while she was cooking. I was in the bedroom laying face down on the bed praying because I just, it's just a battle. And she just came up and kind of laid on my back and just prayed. divine power divine power that's what we have and God will give victory when we don't flee and we don't retreat when we stay together that's what God wants from us he wants us to stay together so are you in a life group have you signed up for a life group has that been something in your life where you're like I gotta have that if you've not signed up, there's sheets on the, on the chairs around you. I, and even if you have signed up, what I want you to do is fill one of these out because I want current inform, we want current information um, because we're trying to be better at communicating. So if you've not been in a life group and, and God's convicted you right now because you maybe didn't have anybody mighty men in your life or you didn't have that circle of people that hold you accountable or you didn't have that group that you're pouring into, because of what God's already given you, who are you to withhold that from the people around you? 
go pouring into people. If you, if you feel like God's leading you and says, well, we got to do this. We've talked about it, just haven't done it. It's not intimidating. It's a, it's a great, you know, the first thing we're going to do is have a Super Bowl party together and just have fun. The, you know, we're, you know, we're going to come together and ha- do life together, have, have fun together, learn about Christ together. We're going to be taught things. We're going to be able to chew on things. And when we come together, the beauty of, of this, and I've said this multiple times in the past, if we're all created in God's image, and we're all unique, and we all have different gifts, when we come together, we see a bigger picture of who God is. We see a more complete picture of who God is. That's the beauty of being together. All of us made in his image. It's like all the puzzle pieces got put in the right places and we get to see a bigger picture of who God is. Let's pray. God, we know we're here by your design. God, we could be, we came here together and it was by your, by your urging and by your design. God, we could be anywhere in this world, but you chose for us to be here. You chose for us to be here together. And God, I just pray that we would recognize that and submit to that and just be content in that. God, I pray that you would rise up within us and that you would give us a immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Show us, give us a taste of what immeasurably more is, Lord, so that we may yearn for it, that we long for it, that we want greater, that we don't settle for this is as good as it gets. Because we know that in you, this isn't as good as it gets. God, I pray that you would help us know what it means to walk in victory and live in the victory that you came to give. God, I pray that you break every chain and set a fire in our soul that we can't contain and that we don't try to. That it just runs free and it burns and it does whatever you want it to do. And God, I just pray that we would be open to that and that you would show your immense power so that we would know that you are the one true God and that you have the power over every single one of our circumstances, whatever it is. God, I pray that you, we would be turning to you knowing that you are the one with the answers. We love you, Lord. Pray in your name. Amen. Have a seat. As we are, the call to commit today is this. Do you have people in your life that are mighty? And if you don't, ask God to reveal who those people will be. Ask God to place those people in your life. If you do have people that are mighty, the thing for you is to go tell them, go tell those people, hey, I want you to know that you're one of the mighty men in my life. You're one of the mighty women in my life. Let them know that you recognize that you're not here on your own. And that you're not, whether, whatever it is, whatever your battle is, whatever you find yourself in, it may be addiction, it may be some dependence. You're not beating that by your willpower. You're beating that by the mighty people that you don't even know that are pleading with God on your behalf. 
You're beating that with people that are on their knees begging God for you to want more. You may be in a busted up life, in debt, in in a mess, and whatever. You're not going through that alone. You got people walking through that with you, whatever the hurt and pain may be. You got people that want to walk through that with you, that aren't going to run, that aren't going to be terrified of it, that are going to go, nope. We're going we're gonna to labor in this with you. And God's going to bring victory regardless of where you're at. Because here's the reality. Every single thing that we have in our life is under God's sovereign control. The good and the bad. Every bit of it. So if you find yourself in a bad spot that you think is not fair, not whatever... Just know that God has sovereign control over that bad spot also. It says in the Bible that God cha- God's the one who changes the seasons. Pray to the one who changes the seasons. Pray to the one who has divine power to break strongholds in your life. Pray to the one who can give you endurance. Pray to the one who can give you all that you need. Pray to the one that can give immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Don't settle for as good as it gets. Don't sit out here in this defeated life when you have, when you claim to have the power of God dwelling within you. When you claim to come to a room filled with the Spirit of God, don't claim that and live this pathetic, defeated life. Live in the power of that is worthy of God. Recognize that you're not here on your own. Recognize that every single person in this room is here by design. And recognize that every single thing that would encourage you to leave and not come back is of the devil. Everything that is in in your ear telling you, oh, you know, people are going to make fun of me or they're going to judge me or they're going to whatever. No, not in this room. Not the people of God. We're going to stand and fight because that's what God's people do together. We're going to join together and we're going to live worthy and we're going to live in immeasurably more and we're going to reject this thought or this satanic belief that this is as good as it gets. God is going to claim victory when we walk and do life together. So today, go talk to people, sign up, join a life group. Don't let any single solitary reason or excuse cause you not to fill this paper out and turn it in that blue box. Because I can tell you, if if it's, there's no good excuse. We have, these are not intimidating groups. These are people just like you and me. Normal people that have messes and troubles and whatever, but together we're going to work through them. And together we're going to see the victory of God. Because you know what? All these people that have been in battles that have been praying over, just like I mentioned Sarah Hatfield going through breast cancer and all the surgeries, you know that life group and all the people in her life that have been praying for her? You know what? They claim victory because she walks healthy. She walks alive. She walks as a strong, powerful woman of God that is here 
And all those people that prayed had a part in that. Just like Teresa Corwin sitting over here, same deal. All these people that have been praying have a part in the victory of what God is doing in their life. Every one of us, let us share in that. And let us just live the way God wants us to. And don't be, don't be afraid to step out and join the circle. If you have a, a bulletin, there's a connect card. If this is your first Sunday, please fill it out. We'd love to get in touch with you. We'd love to know who you are. You can put that in the blue box as well with your offerings. If you have offerings, you can put them in that box as well. A box is the catch-all for everything. Thank you for coming. Celebrate. Have a great week. Thanks for coming.